Welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer, and this is episode 127. Update. First week without a car went by without any issues. Not that I was expecting any, but it didn't have any anyway, which is always good. Um, I think I talked to you about the Walmart club <laughs> and I joined. Um, it's actually called a Walmart Plus. If you have a Walmart in your area, this is a really good program because it allows me to have anything that they sell delivered for free, whether it is directly from the store or from their website. And there's no minimum, um, which you, you'll find that with other stores, you know, sometimes they'll offer free delivery, but you have to make a minimum purchase. Well, there isn't one with this. It costs $99 for the year. And like I said, the benefit over Instacart is there is no minimum, but also there's no upcharge on the items. It's the same price, whether I go to the store and buy it or I have them deliver it, which is really nice. And since I do the majority of my shopping here at like a Walmart Supercenter, this was perfect for me. Um, I found out about it because I joined last year for a month <laughs> for just to get like the, the Black Friday deals. Because if you're part of this program, whenever they're having a sale, you actually get uh, first access to the sale. So things like uh, Black Friday, you'll get, I think it's like a week early access. And I got a really good deal uh, last year on a new television. So, um, but then, you know, because I had a car, I didn't continue after that month. I just, you know, canceled that and um, would just go to the store. But I remembered the program and not having a car now, this works perfect for me. In fact, I used it twice already last month. I mean, the only thing, if there's a drawback, the only thing I would say is, um, I'm one of those people who likes to pick my own produce. <laughs> Again, it's probably control issues. So I have to entrust someone else, you know, to, to actually look at all the produce and, and pick what I would pick. So I just have to hope that they pay attention to things and, you know, especially things like the sell by date. Um, so far, it has not been an issue. But like I said, I've only used it twice. But so far, so good. Um, I've done enough online shopping where I have learned to trust the product descriptions, you know, and when to read reviews and pass on things. So I feel fairly confident that this program is going to work well for me. Like I said, it's only been a week, but so far so good. And, you know, it. I have to say the financial relief of being able to sell my car, that's been nice too. Especially since Evie broke my laptop this week. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm blaming her, but it really was my fault. Because Evie has a habit of laying on my keyboard whenever I walk away from my laptop. You know, pro probably because it's warm. And the other day, I was working on the podcast and I kind of needed to take a break because I was reading a lot of articles that were hitting a little too close to home. And so I kind of took a break and I walked away and I didn't close my laptop. And when I came back, she was in her usual spot laying on the keyboard. 
So when I moved her to go back to work, half of my keys on my laptop don't work. Like the whole left side of my keyboard doesn't work. I don't know what she did or how she broke it. I have no idea. You know, I did the old turn it off, turn it back on. It didn't work. Um, but I mean, it's okay because luckily I had a spare wireless keyboard and mouse. So I was able to continue to use the laptop, but I guess I'm going to eventually have to buy a new one, which I mean, honestly, I already knew I was going to have to buy a new one because this one that I've had, it's like four years old now and I don't need anything special. I have a Chromebook now. I'll probably just buy another Chromebook and they're so cheap now. Like I remember years ago in early 2000s, I used to work for a tech company back in New York, and we used to get a pretty good discount as employees. And at that time, we bought a new desktop computer. And it was like, this was with the discount, I think it was close to $1,000. So I mean, now you could buy five laptops <laughs> for, for that price, you know, because like I said, I don't need anything special. Chromebook is fine. TV podcast recommendations. No new podcast this week, just another one that I had completely forgotten about. Years ago, I used to listen to Small Town Dicks, and I really liked it. I'm not sure why I stopped listening to it. I think that they take kind of long breaks between seasons, and it probably just fell off my radar at the time. But when I was listening to it, there used to be two fem two female hosts and then two male hosts who are twin detectives. And I don't, like I said, I don't know why I stopped listening to it, but I have been listening to a lot of my podcasts on Amazon because you can listen commercial free. And I found it on there. It was recommended on there, probably based on all my other <laughs> true crime podcasts that I listened to. And I started listening to it and a lot has changed <laughs> since I last listened so there's only one female host now, uh, Yardley Smith, and the two uh, twin, the twin brothers are still there, Dan and Dave, and Yardley and Dan are now married. They got married to each other uh, last year. Also, there's an addition starting in season 11, Paul Holes has joined the team, and I am a big Paul Holes fan, thanks to my favorite murder I also listen to um, his other podcast, Buried Bones, which I like a lot. Um, I can't remember the name of the woman he does that with, but that's part of the My Favorite Murder family of podcasts. And I also used to listen to his podcast with Billy Jenkins, but I don't know if they're still doing that one. I mean, I'm not sure if they're on a break or if that one just stopped altogether. But I binged all of season 11 over the past week, season 12 just started a few weeks ago. But one of the things I didn't know that this show offered was a secondary kind of supporting podcast called The Briefing Room. And I really like it. It's kind of like a behind the scenes where the detectives are talking not about cases, but almost about how like their experience of being detectives. Um, one of the episodes that I really liked was they were talking about the psychological toll that the job takes on them. And it, it was really interesting. I, like I said, 
I, I love the addition of, of Paul Holes to this, and I'm really glad that I found it again. Pretty sure it's available wherever you get your podcasts. For TV, I watched the final season of Firefly Lane on Netflix. Uh, this one, when season one came out, I almost didn't watch it because I don't like Katherine Heigl. But I do love Sarah Chalky. So I watched season one, and I to my surprise, I didn't hate it. Sarah and Catherine play Kate and Tully, two lifelong best friends. It's a bit schmaltzy at times, but it's also funny. It's sweet. It's sad. So I watched season two. I really liked it. Um, I think the reason I was able to watch this, even though I don't like Catherine Heigl, is because her character isn't likable. She's selfish. She's self-centered. She's kind of a bitch. But Sarah Chalky more than makes up for that. And I actually really did like it. And an update on the book I mentioned last week. Turns out Eleanor Oliphant may not be completely fine, but she's getting there. The second half of the book did not disappoint. I loved this book. It was really, really good. I kind of cried my way through the second half, but I loved it. And I also read another one this week. I actually read it in like two days. It was another one in my Kindle library that I've had for years in there that I had completely forgotten about. It's called The Timekeeper by Mitch Album. I loved it. It's really, really good. It's short and sweet, and it just has the this really nice message as Mitch Elbum's books tend to have. And one of the reasons I really like his books is they're easy reads. You know, he, he writes, it's like you're talking to your friend, you know, like it's not too flowery. It's not too saccharine. You know, there's no unnecessary extra words or you know, like long descriptions. It's just kind of honest and straightforward and really sweet. I I always feel like every time I read one of his books, I always feel like I'm reminded of something important. And and this one was no different. I I don't know, maybe just like everything else, books find you when you're supposed to 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 find them. All right, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So as I mentioned in the first segment, I have been reading a lot lately. And the two most recent books, although they were very different from each other, they had one thing in common. In both books, the characters were the victims of unrequited love. And I say victims because there are few things more painful to endure. In both books, the characters fell in love with someone who did not feel the same way about them. I have to admit, even reading it was painful because I've been there. We all have. Maybe it was a high school crush. Maybe it was a middle-aged fling. I've been there so many times. Too many to count. And... I know I'm not alone. I remember (laughs) there was a part in one of the books where um, the the female character, she's done everything she can to get 
this boy's attention. And she kind of makes a last ditch effort. And in the, you know, the, the, the world of today, she went on Facebook and sent him a Facebook message and just sort of poured out all her feelings to him. And I was reading that part of the book and inside, you know, just kind of dying for her, <laughs> you know, like, oh, God, please don't hit send. Because I remember back before the digital age, I think I was about 19. I had gone to a house party uh, with friends and I met a boy and immediately was attracted to him. And I, we started talking and he was really cute, (laughs) very good looking boy. And the more we talked, the more we had in common. At some point, I remember we kind of moved into another room, like kind of away from the party because it was getting too loud and, you know, we were having a hard time continuing our conversation. So we sort of separated ourselves and we were just talking and talking and laughing and the entire time I was kind of asking myself, like, why is he talking to me? That there are a house full of girls here who are pretty and way more popular than I am. Why is he sitting here? Why did he choose to talk to me? All these years later, I still remember his name was Adam. <laughs> and like I said, this was pre digital age. So, you know, no cell phones, no email addresses, you know, but we did at the end of the night exchange phone numbers. Of course, I never heard from him again, but that did not stop me from pining after him, from obsessing over him. He was part of every thought of every minute of every day to the point where I felt like if I didn't let him know how I felt about him, that, that I, I might, you know, I was, I was 19. So it was not too dramatic for me to think I might die if I didn't express how I felt about him. And so I did the most embarrassing thing I could think to do. I went out (laughs) I bought a greeting card and then I put a letter inside of it confessing everything I felt for him and I mailed it to him and (laughs) he didn't respond. (laughs) I mean, would you? (laughs) Thinking back about it now, I mean, if I was 19 and the roles were reversed and I got this weird letter, I wouldn't have responded either. I probably would have, you know, changed my phone number. I still cringe when I think about that. The only thing I could chop that up to is teenage, you know, stupidity. (laughs) So many works of literature, art, poetry, even songs are based on one-sided love. I mean, would we even know who Adele was if it wasn't for unrequited love? For anyone out there who has gone through this, you understand how painful it can be to have feelings for someone who doesn't feel the same way about you. When I was reading those books and reliving all of the painful and embarrassing times I've done this, I started to wonder why. And why was I continuing to do it? I mean, it's one thing to do it as a dumb teenager. But 
I'm light years away from teenager. Why is it still happening? Sometimes the person you have feelings for may not have any idea what you're feeling for them. They're not intentionally leading you on. Other times they know exactly how you feel about them. And even though they don't feel the same, they're breadcrumbing you just to keep you around as an option. FYI, those people are otherwise known as assholes. But either way, the problem is not them, not really. In this case, the problem is me. Why do I always fall for the one who doesn't want me? I'm sure it has more than a little to do with my self-esteem. You know, chasing after someone who doesn't want me plays into all of my insecurities and reinforces all the ways I see myself as not good enough. I remember a few years ago, I was reading a book called Stop Doing That Shit, which was basically a book about stopping our self-sabotaging behaviors, of which I have many. Please see any of my past podcast episodes. One of the exercises in the book is to make a list called I am blank enough, you know, and then you fill in the blank. I think the purpose was supposed to be positive, but my list was anything but. It was all the ways in which I am not enough, you know, not thin enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not rich enough, not good enough. Not exactly the way to stop self-sabotaging. Clearly, I learned nothing from that book. What is it about the one-sided relationship that always draws me in? I've had this lifelong pattern of looking at all the things I'm not and hating myself for that. And, and this unrequited love situation I keep getting myself into plays into all of my strongest insecurities. I wanted to find out why. I keep allowing myself to be hurt in this way. I, I thought about it for the entire week, trying to figure it out, like, you know, why? Why do I keep doing this to myself? And finally, I kind of came back to this one idea. It's not love. I'm not falling in love with them, not really. It's more that I'm in love with the idea of them the potential of them, what they represent in my life more than who they actually are. I love how I feel when I think about them. It becomes my ego boost. Every text, every phone call is confirming that maybe I am enough, or at least I could be enough for this person. God, sometimes I get so tired of trying to fix myself. It feels like it's never ending but I guess that's the point, right? So in an effort to figure out yet another one of my flaws and why I seem to always fall in love with the one who doesn't want me, I did what everyone does. No, I didn't go to therapy. I went to Google. I found an article in Psych Central that said that one of the reasons you might continue to have unreciprocated feelings for someone is that you are in fact afraid to love. I know. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But it also makes perfect sense. If you're afraid to get into a relationship because you're scared of being hurt, 
of course you would chase after the person who is never going to get into a relationship with you. Not that it hurts any less, but this way, you're in charge of the pain. You decide when and how much it will hurt. I know that this is part of why I do what I do, control issues and trust issues. But I also feel like anyone my age who has been burned, whether they're single or in a relationship, feels the same way. The article said, maybe the reason why you keep falling in love with people who don't love you back is because you're afraid to receive love. You're fearful because some part of you believes you're undeserving. Some part of you thinks life needs to be hard. I was talking to sister number three the other night and we were talking about this, this whole idea that sometimes when life gets hard, we have a tendency to think, oh, okay, I guess I just need to try harder. But lately, I've been rethinking that. Sometimes life gets hard because we've chosen the wrong path. And we're over here trying to push a boulder up a hill, thinking if we just try harder, we'll eventually get to the top. But maybe, just maybe, there's another path we're supposed to be on. One without a boulder or a hill. Somehow we've been raised to believe that if there is no struggle, then it must not be worth it. That all good things come to those who have earned them. And the only way to earn something is to work really, really hard to get it. But there's a difference between working hard and suffering. I truly believe we are not meant to suffer. And that suffering is a sign that maybe it's time to look at alternatives. Talk to any really successful business person and they'll tell you one of the keys to their success was knowing when to change course. Which is why I've put the dating on hold, at least for a while. It's just too difficult. And finally, I realized that I was trying to force something that maybe isn't supposed to be happening right now. Now, don't worry, I'm sure I'll try again sometime in the future, but for now, I'm just going to continue to focus on me. The article went on to talk about other reasons people fall victim to unrequited love. It cited a study published in the Journal of Neurophysiology in 2010. In the study, 15 college-age students said they had recently been rejected by a partner, but claimed that they were still in love with them. Each was given an MRI, during which they were shown a picture of the person who had rejected them, while also completing a math problem, something like counting down from 100 by 7s. This was done in order to try to distract them from their feelings. Then they were shown a picture of someone that they weren't romantically interested in. The study showed that the participants' brains were more active in areas associated with motivation, reward, craving, addiction, and physical pain when they looked at the photo of the person who rejected them. In other words, the study concluded that people in this situation are really suffering from a drug addiction, and the drug is the person rejecting them. And I don't know about you, but that was a terrifying thought to me. But the study never answered why they reacted this way. And it, it does, you know, it doesn't say like how this developed into an addiction in the first place. 
The article author, Dr. Barrett Brogard, said that it may have something to do with the perceived value of the other person. If the other person doesn't want us or is not available for a relationship, their perceived value goes up. They become so, quote, expensive that we can't afford them. You know, it's kind of like the old, we always want what we can't have. But it can't be that simple, can it? There has to be more to it than just this evolutionary idea of wanting the most valuable mate or survival of the fittest. I mean, if that was the case, then everyone would be chasing after the one they can't have. And we know that's not happening because there are successful relationships all around us. The thing with continuing to be in a one-sided relationship is it provides some level of support, which is the reason it probably keeps you there, right? It, it allows you to avoid, you know, the self-work that you need to do. Another explanation offered in the article has to do with your attachment style. People with dependent attachment styles, also known as codependent, are brought up to seek out people who will cause them pain. So if you were raised in a house where your feelings weren't validated, being romantically rejected can feel familiar and comforting in the unhealthiest way possible. And that can cause us to seek out relationships where rejection is likely. And even though intellectually we know it's not healthy, emotionally it feels familiar. And no matter if it's unhealthy, we always tend to seek out what is familiar to us. We enter into each of these one-sided relationships telling ourselves the one thing that allows us to keep repeating this unhealthy cycle. It'll be different this time. Spoiler alert, it's never different. It reminds me of that movie, He's Just Not That Into You. That movie, watched today, is problematic, but the message still holds up. How many times does Justin Long have to explain to Jennifer Goodwin that she is misreading the very clear signals that are being given to her by the man she is in love with? (laughs) I don't know, maybe I should watch that movie on repeat until that message sinks in. I spent a lot of time last week looking into this topic, and I was getting kind of overwhelmed So I took a break from it. Over the weekend, I woke up Saturday morning with another song playing in my head. This time, it was Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell. Now, I am not a Joni Mitchell fan, but I guess my subconscious is because when I looked at the lyrics, it was like a flashing neon sign. And it wasn't until today that I realized that that is the song playing during the heartbreaking Emma Thompson scene in Love Actually, which makes me cry every time I watch it. In the song, Mitchell is talking about life and love and saying that she has experienced the good and the bad and that the only thing she knows for sure is that it's all an illusion and that your view of things can change as you get older. Essentially, what she is saying is that she has loved proudly, no matter how it turned out, and she's not regretting that part of her. 
her romantic side leads her sometimes and and she entrusts herself to love. I have had that song playing in my head for three days now. And going back to the research and, you know, kind of having these painful realizations, I ended up coming back to that song and I realized it's a gift to be a person who loves. Yes, unrequited love is painful. And yes, there may be some unhealthy reasons why I keep doing this to myself. And believe me, I've spent many nights praying and crying, begging God to let me stop loving them, like Jennifer Aniston did in Bruce Almighty. Love is not rational. It's not meant to be. We love for all sorts of reasons. And I know I need to break this painful habit of wanting the person who doesn't want me. But I don't regret the times I have. Because no love, even unrequited love, is wasted. And if you love someone and they don't love you back, that's on them. In a strange way, I may be reaching here, but it kind of reminds me of the way we love our pets. You know, we we love them unconditionally. Evie broke my laptop. I wasn't angry with her. I still love her. She's a cat who likes to lay on warm things. I'm the adult who should have remembered to close my laptop before I walked away from it. And because we love them so much, we ascribe to them a returned love. They must love us, right? They play with us, sleep with us, snuggle with us. That's love, isn't it? Or is it? And does that distinction even matter when we're both happy? The ability to love is beautiful, and I don't ever want to stop loving. But here's what I'm starting to realize. There is nothing wrong with one-sided love. It happens to all of us. But the issue is when you take that experience and make it into a total indictment on who you are as a person. When you have a healthy view of yourself, no experience or person can take that away from you. Just because someone doesn't return your feelings doesn't mean you are someone who isn't deserving of love. It's painful to accept that the person you love is never going to love you back, but it could also be a gift because it's given me the opportunity to take a closer look at why I keep doing this to myself. That list, that not enough list, I saved it from all those years ago, my notes app on my phone, and I reread it while I was writing this week's episode, and it reminded me of something. A few years ago, I was having dinner with a friend, and they asked if they could say grace before we ate. They started to pray, and they thanked God for all that they were not. And I have to admit, that took me a minute to soak in. Like, why would you thank God for all that you don't have? until I started to think of all the bad things I didn't have. And I realized what a blessing that was. So after rereading that list this week, I took a moment to thank God for all that I am not. And it changed how I looked at that list. So I made a new list, still listing all of the things I'm not. I'm not sick. I'm not homeless. I'm not poor. I'm not alone. 
So yeah, maybe for some, I'll never be enough. But slowly, I'm learning to be enough for myself. All right, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 127. Don't forget, join the Facebook group and like the Facebook page, both called my so-called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. Second part is the important part. If you have questions, if you have topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye.